Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. Analysts in a recent Reuters poll held on their predictions that sovereign yields will drop over the coming year, and that's suggesting the recent sell-off in the bond market was mostly over. And the survey showed that the current negative spread between two-year and ten-year yields, which is a reliable indicator in the past for an oncoming recession, was forecast to stay largely unchanged from around 70 basis points by end November. November. So what is the near-term outlook like for bond markets? Well, joining me on the phone today to discuss this further is Omar Slim, who is a co-head of Asia, excluding Japan, of fixed income at Pinebridge Investments. Omar, appreciate the time. Thank you for joining me today. Good to be with you. Okay, so Omar, it looks like a majority of bond strategists that was recently pulled by Reuters said that the benchmark U.S. 10-year Treasury note yield has peaked in the current cycle, though most said their conviction around that prediction was weak. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that the idea that the yields have peaked is a bit of a soft consensus. Okay. Uh, but it has been going on for a while, to be honest, mm-hmm. and quite a few strategists have been proving wrong consistently. Mm-hmm. My view is that we are towards the end of the hiking cycle. Mm-hmm. And as such, I think we will see a bit more stabilization in terms of rate. So I wouldn't push back in terms of saying that we have seen the peak, but I would nuance it by saying that my view is that we're probably going to stay high for quite some time. Mm, okay, okay. So, I mean, earlier this week as well, we saw US CPI data released that was on Wednesday. How much will this impact or how have it already influenced the outlook for Treasury yields in the weeks to come? I think one print doesn't have a major influence, but what, okay. it, what this shows is that the inflation is rather sticky. Mm-hmm. This particular print that you're referring to was very narrowly driven by, mm-hmm. by a few components, so I wouldn't read too too much into it. Okay. But the reality is that the particularly out of the U.S., the economic data continue to be generally resilient. Mm-hmm. I think we are heading into a slowdown, mm-hmm. but I think the data that you're referring to kind of highlight how strong the U.S. economy has been. Right, right. But you know, some analysts did say the U.S. CPI report was kind of slightly disappointing from a fixed income standpoint and the bond market may be more worried about inflation than it needs to be. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's essentially the inflation has peaked narrative, mm-hmm. which takes a hit every time we see an acceleration in inflation or some inflationary components, mm-hmm. which is what happened uh, earlier this week. Mm-hmm. So I think for the bond market to rally, you would have to have consistent data, particularly out of the U.S., showing Mm -hmm. inflation going down and particularly softening of the job market, which Mm. we have been seeing to a certain extent. Mm. but not enough really to to, to lead to a a bond market rally. Mm, I see, I see. And I also want to touch upon this. Apparently, a bond market signal that has been flashing red for months suggests that an economic recession could still be on the horizon. And I'm talking about this 10-year and 3-month yield curve that has been inverted for over 200 straight trading days. And it's hit a record that just surpassed the 1980 version and is now the longest stretch since at least 1962. Based on this, 
this, do you also expect that an economic recession could still be on the horizon? The current version that you're referring to mm-hmm. has been historically been a very, very strong predictor of recession mm-hmm. and how much market strategists and investors look at. Yeah. And my view is that we will be seeing a slowdown in most economies, including the U.S. Mm-hmm. Whether we see a recession or a sharp recession, my view is that we will see probably a soft one mm-hmm. because it is anchored by the resilient job market. Mm. And the shape of the 210 curve is essentially a reflection of that. But I would also say that whether we see a slowdown or a very shallow recession, From a market perspective, it's almost the same. What I think matters the most is that we do not expect a severe recession, which Mm -hmm. is the the most consequential. And speaking of which, you just mentioned a soft landing in the United States. And the chances of that have actually made longer dated debt more attractive to investors. But companies are instead, you know, still opting to borrow for shorter periods. Why are they opting to do this? What benefits are they hoping it'll bring? I think the the trend that you're referring to is kind of what's been happening in the recent few weeks, few Mm -hmm. months. The reality is that that issuance has been generally subdued, Mm -hmm. whether we're talking the U.S. or globally. And that's really, particularly on the investment grade side, mm-hmm. and to a certain extent on the high yield side, but for different reasons. And mm-hmm. that's really because a lot of the corporate would prefer to wait if they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them do not want to refinance at where the yields are right now, mm-hmm. or they would like to see a bit more stabilization. Right. Some don't actually need the money mm-hmm. because they have been cash hoarding for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, And for some in the high yield segment, it's because they cannot access the market. Mm, Okay, okay. But what we saw last week globally is more than $110 billion in bonds sold, which is the busiest start to September on record. Issuance, on the other hand, was heavily skewed to debt due in under 10 years. Did this surprise you? The uh, week after Labor Day in the U.S. is usually pretty heavy in terms Mm. of issuance because usually kind of end July, August is when the market um, comes down a bit in terms of issuance. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the issuance, I wasn't particularly surprised. Mm-hmm. In terms of why they are kind of picking the belly or the short end instead of 10 years, I think part of it is because they prefer not to commit to paying those coupons for 10 years or 20 years or 30 mm-hmm. years. Because I think the view continues to be that, you know, a few years from now, the rates will be lower from Mm -hmm. where they are now. So why commit for longer term? Okay, let's dive in a little bit deeper just to help our listeners understand here. You know, analysts say issuance will likely taper after the first two weeks of September, which is around now. And that's as companies enter earnings blackout periods. Could you help us explain the correlation between earnings blackouts and declining issuance? The blackout is typically a period when the companies are about to issue earnings Mm -hmm. or their earnings reports. And because those earnings could have some market impacting news and to be fully transparent, they would rather hold off in terms of issuing as opposed to to issuing. And then investors would not have all of the necessary information to make a well-informed decision to Mm -hmm. buy in bonds or to buy in stocks. So Mm -hmm. typically, whenever there's a blackout period, uh, corporates out of desire to be fully transparent, they would hold off in terms of issuing bonds. 
Mm, okay, okay. Adding on to that, seeing the trend now, according to data compiled by Bloomberg, even after jumping 14% this year, it looks like global issuance is still running behind 2020 and 2021 levels. What's different about the economic environment this year that's resulting in the lag be- behind previous years? Yeah, that trend would be actually even more pronounced if you zoom in on Asia. Okay. Issuance in Asia has been much lower than, than previous years. Mm-hmm. I think there's a few things going on. One is a lot of those, particularly if we're talking about Asia, a lot of those companies can issue onshore, like in their local currency. Mm-hmm. For instance, in Singapore, would be Singapore dollar and Korea, Korea won at cheaper mm-hmm. than U.S. dollar. And the other reason is because they would rather deal with their banks and commit to shorter Mm-hmm. facilities as opposed to commit to longer term at higher rates. Mm-hmm. And again, as we were saying earlier, for particularly on the investment grade side, so investment grade being the mm-hmm. kind of high credit quality names, mm-hmm. sometimes they don't need the money. They don't need the cash. Yeah. And for high yield, some don't want to pay that high of rates and mm-hmm. some actually cannot access the market because the market is a bit more selective at this point. Okay, okay. And speaking of investment-grade companies, some are reportedly seeing credit downgrades, and that's from single A to triple B or from high triple B to mid triple B, for example. Why is this happening? That's usually a reflection of the fact that the credit metrics have started to be impacted Mm -hmm. by the economic slowdown. Or because of the fact that the interest in this particular case that you're mentioning, particularly on the A to Triple B, is because the debt burden, the how, essentially how much they have to pay interest, have increased uh, relative to their cash flow generation ability. Mm-hmm. So it's not particularly surprising given the environment that we're in. Yeah. And I would expect that this will continue for some time, particularly as the growth picture kind of slows down. To add a bit more of kind of region flavor to that comment, it is more prevalent outside of Asia than in Asia. And Asia mm-hmm. generally, particularly on the IG side, metrics and ratings have been generally stable. But should we be concerned by these downgrades? I think you should be selective rather than concerned. But this is not a market where you can just take broad market exposure. I mm-hmm. think you either need to do the kind of research yourself and be selective Mm -hmm. or you need to go with someone who is doing so because there's a lot of return dispersion, meaning that there are some bonds and issuers doing well. There are some that are doing very, very badly Mm -hmm. uh, in Asia and broadly. So Mm -hmm. taking like those beta beta plays or like broad market exposures, in my view, is not a great idea. Mm, Okay, okay. Well, you mentioned about being selective in these companies, but is this still a good time to load up on investment grade corporate bonds or high yield bonds? I think timing the market and, you know, uh, coming from someone who's always in the market, timing the market is very difficult. And those who say otherwise, in my opinion, are wrong. I -hmm. would say that it is interesting to lock in the yields at this level. Okay. The yields historically are high. Mm Mm-hmm. And if one believes that the rates will be lower in the next few years than where they are now, Mm -hmm. which is something I do believe, maybe not in the near term, but Mm -hmm. over a few years, then it is a good idea to lock in the yields. Mm -hmm. On the high yield, I think the same would apply, but I think the need to support in terms of being selective in the high yield is even more, uh, the need is is definitely there, uh, Mm -hmm. more so than for the IG side. 
Okay, okay. Well, other than being highly selective as well, do you have any advice for investors looking at the bond market and the current market environment? I think in terms of the bond market, generally, despite all the headlines and despite all kind of the negative headlines mm-hmm. out of China in terms of slowdown and so on, the good news is that the job market broadly, of mm-hmm. course, there are some segments that are challenged, but broadly, the market continues to be very well behaved. Mm. So I think in terms of being engaged in the market, this is something that we think is a good idea to lock in the yield at this level. Mm. And again, the not to kind of be too much influenced by the kind of day-to-day moves and day-to-day headlines because the markets continue to be generally pretty well behaved. Okay, okay. And before we let you go here, Omar, what else should investors be looking out for with respect to bond markets in the coming weeks? I think for the coming weeks and coming months, really, the most important thing to watch for is whether the end of the hiking cycle is confirmed. Okay. The hiking cycle has been the primary mover of the markets for the past three years and arguably since the financial crisis in 2007-2008. So if the economic data are pointing in the right direction, meaning inflationary data are well-behaved and the labor market is softening, Mm -hmm. that would confirm the end of the hiking cycle. And that will be generally quite positive for the bond market. Well, thank you so much, Omar, for joining me today and for your time and your insights. Thank you. We've been speaking with Omar Slim, who is the co-head of Asia, excluding Japan, of fixed income at Pinebridge Investments. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Money in the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.